one of the things that I talked a lot about to our team is over communicate. Because if you're not communicating, people are going to make up the story. And that story can get scary. Welcome to episode number 50 on the My Story Podcast. The My Story Podcast features interviews with interesting people who tell their stories and the life lessons they've learned along the way in order to inspire you to live a life of meaning and purpose. Hi, my name is Conrad Weaver, and I'm so glad you stopped by to listen to today's podcast. I'm really excited about the show today. It's number 50. Wow, it's hard to believe I'm already at number 50, and I'm so excited about today's guest. Linda Ellis was my very first guest on the My Story podcast, so I thought it appropriate that she comes back for a second interview. Linda is a good friend, and she's the owner and CEO of Capital Concierge. Capital Concierge is the nation's largest provider of concierge services for commercial office properties, upscale apartments and condominiums, shopping malls, private corporations, and individuals. Linda says, as long as it's legal and ethical, we're the people who do anything you need us to do. If you want to hear Linda's backstory, listen to episode number one here on the My Story podcast. Today, I'm talking with Linda about navigating her more than 400 employees through a year unlike any other. COVID-19 has impacted many businesses and Capital Concierge was no exception. We'll hear how Linda and her team kept the lights on and the staff motivated while facing the fears that COVID brought on through the pandemic. Stay tuned for this compelling interview. Hey, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And now here's my interview with Linda Ellis. Well, Linda Ellis, welcome back to the My Story podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on my 50th episode. I am so excited, Conrad. What an honor to be able to be with you 50 episodes later. This is wonderful. Thank you. And so for all the listeners, if you don't know Linda's story, go back to episode number one <laughs> and you can hear her story, her backstory, who she is and what, and she's going to explain who she is in a minute, but uh, kind of her backstory, how she got to where she is today. That was a fascinating interview. And, you know, when I launched this podcast, my original list of people, you were on top of that list. And so I was so grateful you were able to be on my very first show. And now you're on number 50. So wonderful. And you have what a superstar you are. Well, well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a really fun journey. And I've had some amazing interviews with some, uh, you know, fascinating people and even have some, you know, more coming up. And obviously, you're one of those. And so uh, it's just a been a real joy. Jody and I, my wife and I talk about you a lot and just how we enjoy our friendship and, and what you mean and, and you mean so much to us. And so thank you for, for that. So tell us a little bit just for the audience who doesn't know you, who are you and what do you do? So I'm a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I own my third company, not counting the one I started when I was 12. And I am in a completely different industry. I used to be in technology, instructional technology, and now I'm in service. Everything has always been service, about service. And I run Capital Concierge, 
And we are a full service global company providing concierge services to very busy people who need time back. So we are the people who give back time. That's really a fascinating concept that you give back time. So if I'm a busy CEO or a busy entrepreneur and I need, you know, six foot tall roses for to send to someone as a gift, you can do that? Yes, we can. And I understand you have done that. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if I remember, you gave some of that story in the first podcast interview. So, I think uh, I did. so our, our listeners have to go back and hear that story. So, Linda, over the past year, we've navigated a whole new world in business, in life, in health, in just every aspect of life has changed. How have, I mean, how are you? I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I'm really, really good. And I say that not only from a personal perspective of how I physically feel, how I emotionally and mentally feel, but I say it from a perspective of our team. Our team has made me so proud and so grateful for the employees that we have. We have over 400 employees. And those are people who, uh, because they're essential personnel, were at front desks of buildings, residential and commercial, and they were afraid. Hmm. And I don't want to go to work because I don't know what this COVID thing is. And they just, you know what? They put their big girl and big boy panties on and they kept charging in. Because they're they're facing the public, right? They're yes. at the front desk, and so they're people are passing them all day. Yes. And so those interactions, you know, could potentially carry the virus, right? Huh? And they were very very concerned about that, and sure. rightfully so. And it was hard, um, but I I'll share something, Conrad, that is really. It was very gratifying, very humbling. Um, one of our folks in our corporate office sent me an email two weeks ago or a text two weeks ago. And he essentially said, Linda, I so appreciate what you've done. When all of us were afraid, you never faltered and you continued to lean in and you showed us that it was possible to be strong in the face of what we were we were fearful of. And that is something you can't buy. It's, it's not anything you have to, it's kind of like your reputation, Conrad, we've talked before. You build your reputation every day, mm-hmm. not just sometimes, but every single day. And you have to own that. Mm-hmm. And so people need to trust. And, and I will tell you, that it was scary and it was hard when we didn't know what PPE was. We didn't know what COVID-19 was. We had no idea what was happening, just like the rest of the world. But in leadership, you have to stop and, and you have to know that people are watching you and people are looking to you to lead them. And if you show that you're afraid, if you show that you're sweating, they're going to as well. Hmm. So it doesn't mean that you're not afraid. It doesn't mean that you don't sweat. It means that you don't let anybody see that. What do you communicate to your team to show that, to show 
just that leadership and that, you know, how, how do you navigate them through their fear? I think transparency and honesty uh, are two very essential uh, components of that, uh, Conrad. We went into overdrive, we in the corporate office, and immediately our corporate office became virtual uh, because uh, they were offsite. I mean, they were remote, remote. And they, our corporate office, needed to learn how to manage remotely. Because not only didn't the employees want to see him, the clients didn't want to see him because everybody was so afraid, right? And I'm so proud of them because they did it. And one of the things that I talked a lot about to our team is over-communicate. Because if you're not communicating, people are going to make up the story. Hmm. And that story can get scary. And so as many times I will share with you that I know that our team thought, oh, my word, she wants us to do something else, communicate again. (laughs) But too much communication in this kind of a circumstance is positive because there is somebody who didn't hear. There is somebody who didn't understand. There's somebody who's still afraid. And if you're over communicating with honesty and transparency, then you can earn the trust that you need as a leader that people believe in you. And one of the things that I am most proud of uh, and very humbled by is many of our employees have said to me throughout the years, and particularly this last year, we know you have our back. We know that you care. And I think that that is something that you can't fake and you have to really care about people. And uh, I think uh, in our first podcast, I shared that I love people. I really love people. I think we're extraordinarily interesting. We do weird kinds of things. <laughs> but I love people. I just do. And I really love our employees. I, even the ones who you, I scratch my head and think, okay, you said what? You did what? But, you know, that's a coaching mentoring moment. And as long as somebody is willing to learn, you know, you make a mistake. Welcome to the human race. Mm-hmm. You hide it, you're dead. Because I'm all about accountability. And so for those your listeners who may not have heard your first po- podcast, I'm sure that that was very clear <laughs> that I'm all about accountability. Right. We have to own our own actions. Mm. So how do you lead a team? Perhaps you have a team member who has been with you for a little while and, you know, thinking through all the challenges that have been through this past year, and perhaps they're not quite on board with everything. So how do you bring them along to where you want to go when it's difficult? It is difficult and it, and it takes time and everybody is panicking and people are wondering, oh my gosh, I got to get so much done. But it's kind of, I was at one of, uh, I'm in a CEO group and yesterday I was at the meeting and somebody said, well, it's going to take so much time. Well, that five minutes that you take that you didn't have is going to save you an hour or 10 hours later. Hmm. And I think the most important thing, particularly in that scenario, is you stop and you listen. You listen not to to respond. You listen to hear. And one of the things that we focused a lot on is touching base with our individual employees 
because I may be scared. You're not scared, but I'm scared. And how do you help me through that fear? And when this really happened a year ago, and today is, uh, they're saying the anniversary of uh, COVID-19, people were scared. And what was really difficult is the guidelines from a labor perspective, the Department of Labor, their guidelines were changing hourly sometimes. So from a corporate perspective, how are we going to stay in compliance make sure that we're taking care of our, our folks. And so it was really hard. And so we had to really step up to the plate to try to understand things that others didn't understand, try to anticipate what it would be. And so trying to manage through that to your, to your question, Conrad, was really difficult. And people, we told people, if you are afraid to come to work, we understand. And here's what you need to do. And that, because there was some, uh, some COVID FMLA um, opportunities and we needed to understand those, that's what was changing on an hourly basis. And there was some COVID sick leave. And so we had to understand that from a corporate perspective so we could guide our folks. And one of the things that I think we're really good at, Conrad, is if we don't understand something, we're going to tell you that. Hmm. And we're going to tell you what we will do about that. So if we we weren't certain, we told the employee, we're not certain. We will come back to you by X because we set expectations. But I think that goes to people feeling like we did have their backs and we do have their backs because you have to talk them through it because everybody's fears are different. And everybody handles that differently Hmm. and those fears are real and you can't gloss over them you have to take the time to listen and coach Hmm. and mentor and help Mm -hmm. what was the biggest takeaway for you in your leadership going kind of navigating your company through that the biggest thing for me this past year has been how awesome our team is I mean, in the face of what we're talking about, Conrad, nobody faltered. They were afraid. But you know what? We stuck together as a team. And those people who were afraid, we wrapped our arms around them, not literally. Um, Those people who were angry, there were many angry people. Um, And so we had to identify how to help our folks and how to build the team, but also continue our culture and to deepen our culture. And it's, I will, I will share with you. I hadn't thought about it until just now. Our standards, our values that are posted in our conference room is what helped. That was the glue that kept us together. Hmm. And what are some of those values? What are some of those standards? Transparency, accountability, 100%, 100% of the time, uh, serving others and doing it well with a smile on your face. It's all of the values that, quite honestly, I grew up with, um, but I didn't make up those values. That was our team that did that several years ago. It's all about the value of our company as a team. It's not one. 
And that's very much a, a theme in uh, our company. And people have said to me, well, you're the CEO. I have a different job than other people do. I value everybody. Think about it. I wouldn't have a company without these folks. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who have made this company grow. Mm-hmm. And yes, I am honored to be their leader. I feel grateful and blessed that I can be in this position to work with them. But I very, very much appreciate how they, in the face of fear, real human fear, stood up and faced it. It's the buffalo. Mm, yeah. The buffalo yeah. is the only animal that leans in in the storm, right? Mm. They, they face the storm. Yes. Yeah. They have, they did, they are. Mm-hmm. And now we have a light at the end of the tunnel. And you know what? Those folks are, they, I think, own, talk about accountability. I think they own and are proud of themselves. How do you, how do you ensure that those values trickle down to the, the, the newest employee who's maybe an hourly employee that's, you know, you know, whatever that position is, you know, how does the, how do those values trickle down to that person? It starts with the hiring process. Uh, we are recruiters uh, pre COVID. Now it's greater. Uh, interview had thirty on an average of thirty four face to face interviews to find one person that wow. we would extend an offer. Hmm. Now they're doing it online. Mm-hmm. We do not hire for skill. We can teach you to be a concierge. We cannot teach you to have a smile on your face when you're not feeling good. When your day sucks, there's a smile on your face because it's always blue skies, white clouds, a capital concierge. It's a beautiful day, even when it's snowing out, right? And so it starts with the hiring process. And that goes to our corporate office. And the way we're structured is we have concierge managers who report to account managers who report to our VP of operations. And we talk a lot about our values and not necessarily saying, okay, we're going to talk, we're going to have a meeting, we're going to talk about our values. Our values are so embedded in our conversations that people are recognizing, oh, that's, I have to have a smile on my face or uh, being transparent. And we're, we're pretty good at hearing when you say, well, you weren't transparent about that, or I don't feel like I was treated fairly. Those are conversations that are honest, they're raw, and we embrace. The other part of that is we're pretty, we're pretty good at if there is somebody that isn't a good fit for us, we take action. Doesn't mean that that person's a bad person. It means we're the wrong company for them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we, one of my commitment, commitments, my personal commitment to each one of our employees is you will be better for having been at Capital Concierge than you were when you came. Mm-hmm. So you'll be more marketable, you'll have more skills, you'll understand more, but it's all the soft stuff. Think about it. We, our job is to take care of people. So you have to be a people person, but you also have to be able to say no to somebody 
And when you do say no, they say, oh, thank you for saying no and not letting me have what I want. Mm -hmm. I love what Donald Miller says in, in one of his books uh, that I'm reading right now. It's called the, the Business Made Simple. He talks about the first several chapters of his book deal with the personal accountability and adding value to a company. You know, when you come and interview with a company, you let them know how much you can add value to their company. And I think that's what speaks to if an individual is not adding value to the company, then there's got to be a change, right? Exactly. Exactly. Because it's not good for the company. It's not good for them. Sure. Sure. We're very committed to making you better, whoever you are. Mm -hmm. Does it mean we haven't terminated a relationship? Oh, yeah, we have. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that that person was a bad person, mm -hmm. just didn't fit who, what we do. And one of the things that I do, uh, and I think you know this, Conrad, is I speak to every new hire, mm -hmm. the first one up. And the reason I do that is two reasons. One, it's very personal um, and selfish because I want to get to know our employees. I want to get to see them. And when we were smaller, I knew everybody. And now I got an email two weeks ago from someone who was saying, thank you so much. I really love Capital Concierge. I'm, I really appreciate the fact that I have your cell phone number. I've never had that. I had to call our HR person and say, okay, I got an email from this person. Who are they? When were they hired? And where do they work? And that bothers me still to this day. So from a personal perspective, I want to at least get to meet people. But from a business and personal perspective, the reason I talk to our new hires is because I want them to know who I am. Hmm. I want them to know what our standards are. I want them to know that their CEO, their, the owner of this company really cares about them and that I will hold you accountable. And that comes very clear when I'm talking to them, because to the, our, our standard of 100% of 100% of the time, I share with them, our standards are non-negotiable. Hmm. They're not, They're, they are in granite. And this is something, and I congratulate them. And I always say, okay, if there's 10 people that we've, and we just had a, a team or a meeting with um, 10 new hires. And I said, think about it, you guys. You just joined the greatest concierge service on this planet, on the planet. Hmm. And in order for you to be here, 300, because there's 10 of you, and the average of 34 to 1, 340 people were interviewed to make it to this meeting. Hmm. How special are you? Because you are special, and you're joining a great team, and our commitment is that we are going to help you be better. Even, if, I mean, we hire a lot of on-call people and a lot of uh, part -time, permanent part-timers who are either putting themselves through school or have other jobs. And they're very important. Every single person is important to us. And so I want them to feel you will be held accountable. The standards are non-negotiable. I am very transparent. I try to be extraordinarily clear in my communications so that when something happens, that conversation is fairly easy. Maybe not emotionally, but you didn't do this. 
this is our standard. Where is the question? Hmm. And that is a constant. We're very clear about that. Mm -hmm. And I think that people want clarity. People want to know that, to your point, um, Conrad, people want to know that they're not only that they're bringing value to the company, but they are valued. Sure. What they are doing Mm -hmm. is valued and appreciated and acknowledged. Hmm. How much of that kind of uh, the actions that your concierges do, how much of that is, is stems from that thought process? Yesterday, I put up this quote on Facebook that my thoughts determine my actions and my actions determine my future. How much of what they do it really starts in the mind and helping them understand that they are special because they've made it to this level, right? I think it really depends on the person. I absolutely agree with that. It may not be conscious. Mm-hmm. But I think we've talked about, I was very fortunate to be raised by somebody who really had values that were important. Mm-hmm. And something interesting, and I was talking to another CEO, my, my dad, my single father who raised me, taught me about accountability. I mean, he made sure that I understood accountability. And if I could... Um, share just real quickly when I was, when I was small, I don't know, eight, nine, 10. And my girlfriend, Susie, we did something, whatever it was. And my dad said, Linda, why would you do that? And I said, well, Susie, and he said, Susie, have a gun at your head, Linda. Cause I know she didn't. So that was your decision. That wasn't Susie's decision. And from the time I can remember, it was you are you, Linda, are accountable for your own decisions. You are accountable for your actions. You're accountable for your thoughts, how you treat other people. And I realized just recently, like I was sharing last week with someone, I never appreciated the fact, like I do now, that maybe somebody else wasn't held accountable. Maybe they didn't understand that. Where it's in my DNA, mm-hmm. that might not be there. And so one of the things that I very much want to do, and I think we, we do well, I don't think we do really, really well, is those people who didn't have that, that background and they don't understand that, if we can... If we can help them understand that, they will be much more marketable on the labor market. Companies will want them because they're going to show up on time. They're going to show up wearing what you're supposed to wear. They're going to show up with a smile on their face. Hmm. So if we can help people who didn't have the gift that my dad gave me, then it's my obligation to pass that forward and try to help people. Mm -hmm. And that's why our standards are so important. And I do think that it's hard. I mean, we're all human. And sometimes we have thoughts and you think, why are you thinking that? That's ridiculous. (laughs) And you have to self-govern yourself. Mm -hmm. And it depends on the day, the hour, the moment of how well you're self-governing yourself. Mm -hmm. Because those, those of your listeners who are married, 
I don't necessarily govern myself as much with my husband as I do with our employees. <laughs> so, sure. right? I mean, yep. we, or, or, or my kid or my brother, I mean, it's because our family's going to love us. It won't matter. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we strip all of that pretense off, right? Not maybe consciously or intentionally, but we're safe. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me, it makes me wonder. I, I mean, I, and I try, I think, okay, would I treat somebody else that way? So I'm not always good at that, but I try. Mm-hmm. So I probably know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, what drives you, what motivates you towards success? <laughs> it, it's such an easy, but multi I, I just, I have a very strong drive. I am very much, there's a mountain. I'm going to go climb it to go see the next mountain. And I'm going to go climb it. Um, and I love growing things. I just, I love growing things. And so bringing our company when I came of 87 people and building it into five separate divisions and then building it to a national organization into a global organization. Well, it's funny, one of the, this was actually last year at, um, one of, at our gala. And um, one, of the, one of the concierges there said, so are we going to Mars next? I said, I don't know. As soon as we get a plane there, we'll go. Uh, I think someone's building a hotel in space. Yeah, <laughs> could exactly. Be the, the yeah, concierge exactly. For <laughs> exactly. I mean, and, and one of the, one of the uh, female concierges, she, it was funny. She says, I, I want to go. I want to go. <laughs> I said, okay, you're on. But I just, uh, the drive and I am blessed with the drive. I think it can be your, you know, we've talked about this, uh, Conrad, uh, your strength is your weakness. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the drive sometimes drives me crazy, but I appreciate mm-hmm. having the drive. Mm-hmm. So across your years of in, in the business world and in your in your life, what piece of advice have you received that from someone, a mentor, from someone that you respected that really changed your thinking or even your path in life? I've thought about that. And this is a very personal kind of thing, but it did change my life and it did change my thinking. I had three brothers once unfortunately passed, um, but I have a little brother that's 11 years younger than me. So we all went to my oldest brother's home because he was passing. And so my little brother, John, (laughs) I call him my BLB because he's 6'2". I'm 5'2". So he's my big little brother. (laughs) And he and I flew into LA and drove the rest of the way and we're flying back uh, or we're driving back to LA after we had been with a family. And there was a part of my life where my mom left me when I was five and she took my two brothers with her, but left me. And I knew that the reason my mom left me with my dad is because I was ugly. And so I've carried that, you know, I've tried to get over it and I had this talk track and I talked to myself and I try to stay out of the pity parties and all that. So anyway, John and I are talking, of course, we're talking about our life and John being 11 years younger than me didn't experience any of that stuff. So 
and, and John's, we all have different fathers and, and John's dad is like a saint. I love him to death. He was always so good to me uh, when I got to see him, which was when, in my adult life. But so John and I are talking and I said, it just, you know, I just get tied up, John, that mom left me and took Rich, my, our other brother, and Ed, and left me. And I still remember being in the middle of the street with Rich, who's only 18 months older than me, waving in the back window of the car and I'm waving and I'm crying. My father is holding my hand crying. And I just, I mean, my brother, my best friend is leaving and my older brother, but Rich, I was closest to. And I said, it's just, it's so painful. And my little brother in all of his wisdom looked at, over at me and he said, you need to get over it. And I said, oh, and it was that light switch moment when I thought, you do, you really do. And that applies to a lot of things in life. Hmm. You need to just get over it because you can't undo it. You may not ever be able to understand. And I, I don't understand it. I have a daughter there. I mean, I'd have to be dead before somebody would separate me from her. I mean, I'd have to be dead. So I just, you know, that's some of the best personal, some of the best business advice I've ever gotten. And it's from my BLB. <laughs> Do you think that the challenges you had in early life really, in a way, set you up for success? Because isn't it through the difficulties where we gain strength? Yes. Yes. I absolutely believe that, subscribe to that. When I was seven weeks old, uh, I, <laughs> I, I was very ill. Um, I had a condition that only boys got something in your stomach and they misdiagnosed it for a long time because I'm a girl. Mm -hmm. And at the time it was very, very rare for, for girls to get it, I guess. Anyway, so I had surgery and then I got pneumonia. Mm -hmm. Then I got double pneumonia. Oh, wow. And my dad used to tell me how scared they were because they, the doctor said she's not going to make it. Mm. The reason I share that, is because I believe that's when I became a fighter. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've realized, and I'm blessed to realize that those hard times have been the greatest lessons, the greatest blessings in my life. And there, I'm not talking about when I was seven weeks old and I obviously don't mm -hmm. remember, but being that little girl in the middle of the street, being a little girl, I remember I was walking down this, uh, the, a corridor in my my elementary school and there were two of my favorite teachers standing together talking and um one said to the other you know i feel so sorry for her such a poor little girl she doesn't have a mother until that moment i didn't know i was a poor little girl mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i had no idea because the blessing that i had is i was in this bubble of love that my father created for me. I knew that the sun came up and sat with me 
he didn't allow me any, <laughs> any room to get out of line, but I knew I was totally unconditionally loved. Hmm. And so I, and, and he was smart. I mean, my dad worked six days a week, 12 hours a day. He was a butcher and he had me busy. So Linda, somebody's yard needs mowing. Somebody's windows need cleaning. I was in Brownie Scouts, Campfire Girls, Girl Scouts. I was in Rainbow, which was the, in the Masonic Order. I was in so much. I was very active in church. I mean, it was like I had no time to get in trouble. And lest anybody think that that was easy, um, this is not the poor little me thing, but I walked because even when I was a teenager and could get, had my driver's license, I remember saving $500 to buy a car that my boyfriend and I had picked out. It was a Lincoln or Mercury. Mercury. I, it was kind of this weird kind of pink lavender color. <laughs> thought it was great. Of course it was pink. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and so I was so excited because I saved my money. I was mm. working downtown in a woman's clothing store and I made commissions and it was great, you know, so I had $500. And I said to my dad, I want to go down and get my car. And he said, what do you mean you're going to go down and get your car? And I said, well, I saved my money. I have $500 and the car costs $500. He said, you're not getting a car. I said, no, daddy, I, I saved my money. You know, it's my money. He said, I don't care. You're not getting a car. You've got two legs. And mm. I got my first car when I was 21. I love looking back at, at my life and to see where the challenges that I've had, you know, help lead me to where I'm at today. And so I'm thinking back at the past year, holy cow, what's ahead? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we've been through this really yeah, difficult right, time. Right. What's that preparing us for, for the future? And so what's the future for you look like? I think it's wonderful. Uh, I'm very excited about 2021. I was on a call recently. I'm on a board and um, I said, hey, you guys, we were just chatting before everybody came on. I said, it's 2021. This is going to be so cool. And so <laughs> the president of this other company said when others got on, well, Linda said 2021 is going to be great. <laughs> and I said, it is going to be great. What is wrong with you guys? I mean, it's going to be, think about it. Mm. I hope, I hope, I, I, I've said to my husband, I'd love to be able to live another 50 years so I could see what history writes about mm. us during this time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But something I learned a long time ago from one of my mentors, and he said, because he used to send me into these horrible situations, right? And I said to him once, Jack, you always send me into places that are all messed up. And he said, yes, because you always get them straightened out. And I said, yeah, but, and he said, Linda, this is a gift to you. Think about it. You learn to manage through that. No one can take that away from you. So I look at what happened with COVID. We should be celebrating. We lived through this. Mm -hmm. There were lives lost and there was pain and anguish and fear, but we lived through it mm -hmm. and we helped one another. And even during all of the other stuff that is happening, social unrest, the election, everything else, we're still here and we live through it. And it is our responsibility and we should be holding ourselves self-accountable 
for listening, understanding, and making a difference mm-hmm. in everyone else's lives, including ours. And so 2021, you bet, bring it on. Because will it be uh, a year without any challenges? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But are we smarter? Yes, we are, mm-hmm. or we should be, because we should be looking back and saying, what did I learn? Whether that was personally to manage through my fear or personally to learn how to work remotely with my kids screaming and having to manage all of that, we did that. And guess what? Now people are saying, you know what? I may not want to, I don't want to work remotely all the time, but I may want to work remotely two or three days a week. Mm-hmm. That's new, you guys. We did that. And why and are we not celebrating it? And we're stronger. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We have resilience. I think I I I hope that uh, people's faith is stronger, and that people recognize and that people pat themselves on the back that they made it through. Now you know, in the darkest hour, everybody knows. Okay, so people don't know how scared I was, or people don't know I didn't do a good job. Okay, let it go. Because you know what? You're here. And businesses have learned. uh, We work a lot with property management companies, as you know. Mm -hmm. And think about it. In commercial office properties, a light switch goes off or turns off and nobody's in their buildings. But they have to make sure their buildings are okay and they're sanitized and they have air filtration and things are taken care of. And that includes their staff, their engineers, their property managers, they're scared, they're human. On the residential side, light switch, all of a sudden the people who left in the morning came back at night are there 100% of the time. Mm, Right. Just like that. And so that leaky faucet, that light bulb uh, burnout or my windows leaking, all of a sudden became, I have to have it now. And that was overnight. Mm -hmm. So I hope that people will appreciate who they are and their ability to manage through. Because I only see sunshine. Well, you have been an inspiration to me for many years, and uh, you have been an inspiration to many hundreds of people that work for you, and potentially now thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who listen to this podcast, right? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to say a big thank you for joining me today for the podcast for my 50th episode, and it's been, as always, a pleasure talking to you and hearing your stories and and your words of wisdom from uh, a life well lived. Thank you, Conrad. It is an honor and a pleasure. And you are making the difference for hundreds of thousands of people. Thank you. Linda, thank you for your friendship and for once again taking time to talk with me on the My Story podcast. I really appreciate it. Next time on the My Story podcast, Ryan Hampton will be joining me for a conversation about addiction and recovery. Ryan has rocketed to the center of America's rising addiction recovery advocacy movement. 
a former White House staffer. He has worked with multiple nonprofits and national recovery advocacy campaigns. He is now a prominent leading face and voice of addiction recovery and is changing the national conversation about addiction. Tune in next time for this timely interview. Hey, if you enjoy what you hear on the My Story podcast, please leave a review and a rating. This lets me know what you like and how I can improve the show. I also encourage you to send this episode to a friend or colleague who may be interested in today's show. The music on today's show is from my friend Drew Davidson. You can get all of his music at iTunes or Spotify or at drewdavidson.com. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next time on the My Story Podcast.